Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Warnings, please pay attention. All right, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Welcome to the Friday edition, May 1st edition of this show. We are glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Got a, a bunch to get to with you this afternoon. I will tell you quickly as we uh, get started, John Cohen, Athletics Director at Mississippi State, is scheduled to join us on the Farm Bureau phone line at 20 minutes after 4 today. So that's about 35 minutes from right now. Look forward to that conversation with the Athletics Director uh, at Mississippi State in Starkville. We're also going to talk with our buddy, Scary Gary. He's going to join us, and we're going to talk some NASCAR with him uh, later in the 4 o'clock hour as well. Some interesting announcements from NASCAR about their upcoming schedule. Uh, safe to say that the NASCAR drivers are going to be busy in the future. But uh, before we get to that, uh, kind of a quick recap or summary of uh, what you just heard on Super Talk Mississippi. Some of you uh, may have been sitting in your car for the last hour and 15 minutes so you didn't miss anything. Uh, maybe you were listening on the uh, Super Talk Live app for free on your smartphone, or maybe you were watching on the uh, Super Talk Facebook page the press conference uh, from the governor of the state of Mississippi. We've been doing these for, what, a month now, Borky? Just about every afternoon. Uh, Pretty the much, show yeah. has been delayed various uh, amounts of times to start the day. And today was a very different type of press conference than uh, you have heard uh, previously. Uh, we had some jokes. I don't know if jokes were, were the right way to describe it. We, we talked yesterday about the fact that when the governor and the legislature are arguing over how to spend money, maybe it's a, a good sign because it feels like we're starting to get things back to normal. This is far more serious, though, than, uh, than any kind of a joke. Uh, if you have not been following the news today, uh, we got started this morning at 6 a.m. with you with uh, Paul Gallo on the Gallo Show. He had uh, former Governor Haley Bryant. Uh, he had Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman and also uh, sitting Governor Tate Reeves on the uh, on the show today. Uh, all of them kind of lending their perspective to this current debate uh, that is happening. And the debate is over how to spend and really who has the authority to spend the money that is being provided to the state of Mississippi from the federal government through the CARES Act. We're talking about one and a quarter billion dollars, $1.25 billion that will be coming to the state of Mississippi that will be distributed um, not for loss of revenue, but for uh, activities that are, uh, are happening um, as uh, we, we try and get through this crisis. Did I not say Haley Barber? Did I, did I give a different name? You said Haley, Haley, Bryant, Haley Bryant. You made a super governor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you. Forgive me. 
uh, Governor Haley Barber, former Governor Haley Barber, uh, along with Governor Tate Reeves and Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, were on with uh, Paul Gallo this morning. It was the alternate edition of Paul Gallo where Haley Bryant was on. you, you got to go to the dark web to uh, listen to that one. <laughs> um, now, but the, the debate is who has the authority to spend this money. And uh, state law for the last four decades has uh, allowed that governors have the ability to spend uh, the money in times of disaster, in times of crisis, and uh, Governor Reeves pointed to a number of occasions in recent years where that has happened in the state of Mississippi. Uh, the legislature uh, does not agree that uh, Phil Bryant, that Tate Reeves, sorry, uh, should have the ability to uh, spend that money on his own. They want control of the purse uh, strings. Uh, the House has already voted to change that law, and apparently the uh, Senate is about to take that up uh, right now if it hasn't happened already. Uh, no way exactly to know uh, what is um, on the horizon, uh, but I think if you're adding 2 plus 2 and you're expecting to get 4, uh, the next step is going to be uh, for the governor to veto the bill that comes from the legislature at which point the legislature will be incumbent to override the veto with a two-thirds majority vote. There's been talk about whether or not they do or don't have the votes for that. Um, that is neither here nor there. I'm not going to get into political commentary. I just kind of want to give you the uh, the facts, but I will tell you this. Uh, and, and feel free to you know have whatever opinion you, you want to have about this. There are no winners in what's happening right now at the state capitol and across the street. Um, Apparently the, the bill has been passed in the Senate, by the way. Just okay, happened. so the Senate passed the bill as well. So now it will be incumbent upon the governor to decide whether or not to veto it. If he does veto it, it will go back to the legislature uh, where they would have to have a two-thirds majority to override uh, the veto and, uh, and make this law going forward, ultimately giving them control of the purse strings and distribution of the $1.25 billion in CARES Act, money, uh, CARES Act money that is coming to the state of Mississippi. Just finishing that thought, though. There's not a winner in this deal. There may be some municipalities that fare better based on the legislature distributing money. There may be some government entities and municipalities that fare better based on the governor distributing the money. But this is ultimately about the people of the state of Mississippi and we are watching a very ugly political fight unfold during a pandemic, which means a global disaster where a lot of people are sick, a lot of people are trying to recover, a lot of people have died, and a lot of people are going to die. And I guess the reality is that's the nature of politics, uh, because everybody is... You know, once you get to that level, whether you're the governor, the lieutenant governor, the speaker of the house, or an elected member of the legislature, uh, you believe in fighting for your constituents, and you generally believe that you have the law on your side. And this is a pretty ugly fight that I don't think has a bunch of winners. No, may not no, have any winners not. when it's all said and done. But that's what's going on right now. I, I'm not going to go any farther down uh, that road in terms of political commentary because that's not what we do here. We are a sports talk radio show. We are glad to be with you. 
Uh, we do want to bring you the news, though. That's what uh, we try to do at Super Talk Mississippi. Uh, and this story is not going away. Uh, it's obviously not going away over the weekend. Um, the sobering news in terms of coronavirus, COVID-19, and uh, the state attempting to reopen businesses across the state so that we can get the economy moving in. The sobering news today, though, was that the highest single number of positive tests came back on the docket today. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody got sick today or everybody got sick yesterday. There's a delay in the reporting of the, the results and, and all that. But this is the biggest single-day total that we've had. And the governor began his press conference today back at 2.30, about an hour and 15 minutes ago, hour and 20 minutes ago, by saying his intention was to come in today and announce that there were going to be fewer restrictions, that some of the restrictions that are on certain businesses in the state of Mississippi were going to be lifted or were going to be partially lifted, uh, but because of the news as it pertains to new cases of COVID-19 in the state of Mississippi, uh, there was at best going to be a delay until Monday. He said he wanted to uh, spend some time over the weekend uh, thinking more and looking more at the data to determine uh, what steps can be taken to open more of the economy and whether or not that's got to uh, wait a little bit longer. Uh, if you want to go back and uh, watch the uh, governor's press conference in its entirety, you can do so on the Supertalk Facebook page. Uh, we've got it archived, I think, online at supertalk.fm. Um, it certainly is there, and this is going to continue to, uh, to be news as we move forward. So, with that, hey guys, what's up? Hey, Borky. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I don't know how to follow all that. Yeah, I um, I don't know either. I mean, that was uh, man. I sure do hate to use the word surreal, but it was a little surreal listening to the governor and the level of oh, I think anger is the right word. I, I mean, I yeah. started to try and come up with a different frustration, word, but the governor is angry and he's frustrated when he dropped uh, the legisl- legislators tried to steal this money. I was like, ooh. That's, yeah. that's, that's not pulling many punches there. No. Hey, Dad, how are you today? Man, I'm doing great. Thinking about what I'm going to cook next week. Maybe some soup. What do you think? I just throw it on the grates, strain the coals after? You're going to cook soup in May? Like like by planning ahead, that's what you're going to do? I mean, we might do a, 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 I w- a pot I of taco Rippy, soup somewhere Rippy, along the way. I think Rippy caught the joke, maybe, but I don't no, know. No, I understood what you were saying, but I didn't know if you were serious or not, because remember, you're no. an interesting guy. Wait, what's I, wrong with soup in May? First off, yeah, there's nothing wrong with soup I in had May. some gumbo the other day. Is that Does that count? I'm, I'm a gumbo as a stew kind of guy, but that that's fine. I can, I, I don't, there's never a bad day for gumbo. I'll say that. No, what's I'm not it, cooking wait. soup. What's the difference between gumbo as a stew and gumbo as a soup? Well, stews and soups are different. Really? Like what? Uh, a stew would be something you serve over rice. A soup would be something that has rice in it. Brunswick stew, you don't serve over rice. What about beef well, stew? Uh, you serve it over mashed potatoes or whatever. Or just don't buy itself. What? It's not what I heard. But anyway, the difference, I, uh, according to Google, is the amount of liquid in it. So a stew is is something that meaty, is be thicker. Right. It is what? Meatier thicker. and thicker and like me. Yeah. Served over right. rice. A soup is a standalone. There we liquid go. Thing. Okay. If you y'all, need a y'all visual, can stop there. If you need I'm a visual, stew hey, of Dad this is group, stew and Rippy, Rippy is, soup. Would be, is soup. Yeah. Can I be thick with the two C's? Stop. This, vi- this okay. visual is pretty rough. 
it is. It is. Uh, in I'm the, not any plans for the weekend. Soon. I'm gonna play golf. There you go. I uh, hey, Dad. I made a trip to your fair city today. Yeah, you, you were nice enough to call me and get my permission to be here, and uh, yeah. we, we welcome you to uh, anytime you want to do commerce in our town. We are we are proud to have you. Yeah, just okay. You want to talk about different factions working together? Mm-hmm. Here you go. Um, there is a. I have a. My oldest daughter has a birthday coming up next week. She'll be ten, and there was a certain item that I was looking for, and a specific store in Oxford that I called and said, like, "Hey, I need this," and he said, "Hey, we don't have it, and I can't order it either because they're all out." And I said, "Okay, you got any recommendations?" He's like, "Yeah, call the store in Tupelo, call the store in Starkville." Uh, so I called a, a store in Tupelo. They didn't have the item. They couldn't get the item. And the store in Starkville, which had been recommended by the business owner in Oxford, that I called, they were like, yeah, we've actually got two of that item. And so I paid for it over the phone and went and picked it up today. And uh, I guess I'll tell you what it is next week. On the I already outside know. chance that my so. daughter happens to be uh, listening on the radio right now. If she wants to bribe me, I know what it is. How's she going to bribe you with Stu? I don't know. I don't know. She Some is quite the cook. Yeah. It's running a little short these days. You know, economic collapse and whatnot. It, it happens. That's what they say. We are glad to be with you this afternoon. John Cohen, the athletics director at Mississippi State, will join us 20 minutes from right now. Um, you've heard quotes from conference commissioners. You've heard quotes from athletics directors. Uh, I spoke with someone in the conference all. I didn't actually speak with him. I called someone in the conference office today, uh, then sent a text or left a message like, hey, you don't have to call me back. No, you got a lot going on. And was said, I am in the middle of back-to-back-to-back-to-back video conferences. And I want to say, man, it's Friday. What are you doing? You're supposed to work till lunchtime and then go to the golf course on Friday. That is not the time in which we are living right now. You know off the top of your head who Mississippi State would play in baseball this weekend? I think it's Missouri. I'm not 100%. They would have had Missouri this weekend. Ole Miss would have been at Georgia. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on a Friday. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey on this Friday. Absolutely gorgeous day in the state of Mississippi. Hope you can enjoy some time this weekend, but uh, as Dr. Dobbs from the State Department of Health and the governor and everybody else that's in charge uh, has encouraged, please continue to be smart. Don't just because it's beautiful outside and some of the restrictions have been lifted, uh, feel like you can you know, host a party for 50 people or you know, have a pool party or put 20 people on a boat and go skiing this weekend. That's still probably not a, uh, not a good idea. Uh, try to continue to be smart. Wear face masks uh, if you are able to when you're in public. Uh, there are a lot of uh, municipalities across the state that are requiring that in businesses. So uh, you're kind of used to it already. So uh, just be smart so we can knock this thing out and can hopefully get back to uh, some ball before too terribly long. We uh, Being with... We got... Uh, I'm sorry, but I couldn't let this slide by uh, unattended. We got... Probably the peak sticks to sports guy of all time. We got a stick to sports about 11 minutes into the show during a pandemic in which there are no sports after the most contentious uh, press conference that's led into our show that we've had to date. We got a stick to sports like eight minutes in. I don't know if you saw that. 
Well, I mean, that if, if ever we needed a sign that things are returning to normal, then that was it, right? Yeah. Pandemic sticks to sports guy is like Barry Bonds after the gas. Like, that's, that's impressive stuff. <laughs> Between that and the story yesterday, humanity's just really bothering me lately. I hear you. Some guy at a Walmart yesterday, you know how they have those lanes that, like, stop here, enter here, so you don't have two ways of traffic and you stay six feet apart? Have you seen the signs on the ground? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, so some guy yesterday, I was at Walmart getting groceries, and it was on, like, it was at the very beginning of, like, one of the lane, the aisles, it was like, do not enter, like, it was literally, I could see it, like, front right of there, so I was just gonna, like, reach in and grab it. I could see this guy staring at me, and I was like... Almost hit him with, like, would you like a picture? And I was six feet away. I wasn't doing anything. And I took one step, and I stepped on that line to grab the item. And he looked at me and goes, don't enter, and then pointed at the ground. And I was like, I couldn't believe, like, what he was doing. Like, he was literally just waiting on me to step on the thing. So I backed, like, took two steps back and acted like, oh, my bad, and then just immediately walked through the whole aisle to spite him. Was this a worker or a fellow uh, fellow? No, 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 no. This is another customer. If this is somebody that's like working, like obviously I'd be like, yeah, sorry, my bad. I was just grabbing this item. But no, this is just some guy just policing me up and down the store. I assume you were wearing a mask. I was wearing a mask, and I was six feet away. He was just literally staring at me, waiting on me to step over the imaginary line. Is it like? 12 inch by 12 inch, so one foot square tiles, and he had like counted the number of tiles so that he could decide where the six feet barrier was? I don't know if like where he decided it was, but all I know is I took one step too far for his liking. <laughs> well, that'll learn. I have one of my better segues of all time, Borky, to go into the story that we were about to talk about, but uh, Rippy <laughs> yelling at the clouds seemed to uh, be absolutely better. Uh, Absolutely uh, better. Uh, Richard and Wiggins says, undercover Walmart cop. Good to know. Uh, good to know. Uh, also a question, Borky. This is this is firmly on your plate. Question on the C Spire text line. By the way, 601-879-4395 is the number. If you would like to text the show at C Spire, they're not just saying they care. They're taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day, from free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home, learn more at cspire.com slash cspirecare. So, Borky, this is firmly in your lap. When does the extended countdown to the start of college football season begin? It has traditionally been 100 teams in 100 days. We've got, what, 130 teams? That means, what, we probably need to start next week. So we're 120 days away from August 29th, which is week zero. Okay. So we could technically start now. Why don't we wait until Monday? Let's plan a little bit better. Until we get to this day is bananas. Hey, Dad loves that. B-A-N-A-N-A-S! I don't actually like bananas, but you know. Although we may have to change the uh, the wording from 100 teams in 100 days to like 131 teams in 131 days. Or something like that. And we'll figure it out. We'll be at um, like 117 by then. Well, we could go We could go to the uh, September 5th day. That'd get us closer. All right. First, first full Saturday. That's fine. The, Ak- the Akron fans who listen are going to be well, stoked. That'll be more than uh, the given 
D1 teams. So we'll throw Kelso a bone and do James Madison just because. Very good. I love it. Mike in Oxford says he went to the grocery store this morning. There was one girl checking out with nothing but 12 cases of White Claw. Another girl had 15 of them. (laughs) Got to get ready for the quarantine weekend, man. There's no regulations about the hoarding of that particular item. Mm. That's a lot. Rippy got the joke. He looked up. I did. I don't think Richard did. He did. I missed it. Sorry, I was reading the expression, uh, Richard. It's ain't no laws when drinking claws. And so I've heard that. Yes. I was not. It's not that I didn't get the joke. I wasn't listening to Hey Dad. I was reading a text message and was amused that Greg has now adopted uh, Brian Scott Rippey as his pet. Boy, like two weeks ago, he called Rippey some very bad things. So that's a nice turnaround. As and now pet? it's Mr. Rippy is awesome. Love that guy, Uncle G. <laughs> All right. Okay. Better we, we than uh, better than the atheist he called us a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Jeez, he crushed us. Borky, I got three teams that we should definitely preview. Oh, there was no us to that. No us, like I Rippy was, and I. I. Yeah. I got called. I what? wasn't. I wasn't in on that. <laughs> no, it was just Rippy and I. Uncle G did uh. Uh, did not like us that day. I didn't. But Borky, we, I got three. I got three teams. You got, you got to write down that we got a preview. All right. Jackson State, Alcorn State, Mississippi Valley State. Done. Yeah. I was certain that you were going to include Saint Aloysius in that. Well, that, that's not a college team, Richard. I don't know if you're familiar. Yes, with the I didn't works. know that that would make one iota of difference to you. No. Nah. I mean, we can get you know they got a new coach. We can get him on if you want. I'm pretty sure I can Maybe make that could, happen. Maybe we should. I tell you what else we could do. I think this is a, a a good idea, Borky. We need to start. Do, we need to do a high school spotlight as well. We're just we're just you know we're we're whiteboarding some ideas here on the air as we go through. We know that high school football in the state of Mississippi is a really big deal, and we got a good bit of time with uh, not a lot going on. And so once or twice a week, we need to uh, reach out and see if we can get some high school coaches on, and we'll try and hit a bunch of different parts of the state and a bunch of different classifications. And uh, and see what all we can do. We will like we that. will literally talk to as many coaches as we can as long as that person is not the head coach at St. Aloysius. Ah, uh, I'm sorry. Hey, Dad, are you sitting there? Come on now. Of course, we'll include St. Al in the mix. So uh, we'll make a note to uh, to get that started coming up. I think that'll be fun. That'll uh, be fun. Kind of. Uh, begin to think toward the high school football season. Obviously, lots of uncertainty uh, as we move toward. Uh, what the fall is going to look like, and uh, our focus has been on college athletics, but uh, there's uncertainty for high school teams as well. So we'll uh, we'll get that going here before too terribly long. We we've talked about the impact, and we've talked about the fact that we're optimistic and you know looking forward. Here's some numbers that uh, man they they scare you to death, but they give real black-and-white information as to what is being lost. So there's a story at ESPN.com. It's an outside-the-line story, which makes you know that it was approached in a different way than a reporter just you know, giving you some sourcing. That is the news division of ESPN in terms of sports and reporting. This is where they dig deep. This is where they do some really serious reporting. And it is a story in which ESPN uh, kind of commissioned a study to determine just how impactful the absence of sports has been 
and it is sobering. The sudden disappearance of sports will erase at least $12 billion in revenue and hundreds of thousands of jobs, an economic catastrophe that will more than double if the college football and NFL schedules are wiped out this fall by the coronavirus pandemic. That's according to analysis conducted for uh, ESPN. Uh, Patrick Reich is an economist and is a professor. He is the director of the sports business program at Washington University in St. Louis. That is a uh, a private university uh, that is elite academically. He says, quote, as an economist, you stand back, you look at the carnage that's taking place, dumbfounded, awestruck, mind-numbing. All of those phrases, they're all relevant because we just have never seen anything on this scale. We'll get into some of the actual numbers as we move through the show this afternoon. We'll talk about kind of what that means going forward and I think how it underscores the importance of getting back to the field. We, We need to get back to the fields for our sanity, for our love of the games, but there is such an economic impact that there's just no getting around. John Cohen will join us next on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Friday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're joined by John Cohen, Athletics Director at Mississippi State. John, appreciate a few minutes of your time. It's hard to even know where to begin in, in terms of asking, asking questions right now. So maybe I'll start by just saying, how are you? Ho- hope your family's doing well. No, we're, we're doing we're remarkably blessed. Uh, I have uh, a, my oldest is taking finals uh, in law school uh, at Wake Forest, and she's doing it in our living room. And I got another one out in California who, who's working hard. So we're, we're really fortunate. Well, certainly glad to hear that. Let's just kind of jump right in. In terms of planning, where are you right now as you look ahead to uh, the fall semester? I mean, everybody's worried about football, but I know there are other sports that you have to worry about and take into consideration as well. So, so right now, from a planning standpoint, what are you focused on? Well, certainly we're focused on Labor Day weekend. Um, that's that's what we want. Um, all of our, us, uh, all the administrators involved in the Southeastern Conference want football, and we want it in the first weekend. Uh, is that going to happen? We just don't know. And that's a phrase we seem to say a lot now. We don't we don't know. Um, but we're working toward that. And if it doesn't happen, there's a ton of contingency plans in place. Um, but the priority is our student athlete and giving them the best experience they can possibly have along with our fan bases, um, and we're going we're gonna to move in that direction. Do you have a target date at this point for bringing student-athletes back onto campus, kind of in preparation for fall sports? You know, um, we, we'd love to have a target date, and unfortunately there's, <laughs> um, you know, the virus is going to have to work with us on that. And I, I know I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't know, but, um, we're going to rely on, on the healthcare professionals, not only in the state of Mississippi, but nationally to help guide us. And, um, and we're going to make great decisions, hopefully, that, that are 
in the best interest, again, of our student-athletes, our staff, and our great fans at Mississippi State. John, you certainly know him better than I do, but my impression is that Greg Sankey doesn't say stuff just off the cuff. Like, like I'm not saying that it's calculated, but, but it's very thoughtful. He doesn't just kind of spew off to see what, what sticks. And I thought some of the quotes that came from an interview he did on the radio yesterday in, in Jacksonville uh, where he talked about not necessarily having to have consensus among all conferences or even all teams within a conference to begin play in the fall, he didn't necessarily believe that that had to be in place for some teams to begin playing. How much discussion has there been about that topic between Commissioner Sankey and and the ADs? I I wouldn't say we spent a a remarkable time amount of time on that because we're so focused on our league but but certainly there's an interdependence uh among all division one programs and uh i i i think you know certainly uh nothing's off the table at this point in time you know i i know it's an example alabama is supposed to play usc right i believe it's in dallas and i think it's the first right. weekend is that going to happen? You know, will Alabama's situation be um, in their state? Will the virus situation be much better in Alabama than it will be in Southern California? You know, it, I think it's too early to tell at this point in time. Um, but logic tells you that where there are opportunities to play football, um, you know, you, you think at this point that those opportunities are going to be taken advantage of. Hey, John, it's Brian. Hey, Dad. Yeah, today was supposed to be uh, graduation day or graduation weekend here in Starkville. And I've seen, you know, obviously, a lot of people tweeting uh, the pictures. There's a lot of student-athletes. Tyson Carter's here on the top of my Twitter feed. When you've talked to the student-athletes, you know, what are their biggest concerns and, and biggest questions for you uh, as all this is going on? Well, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. And I, my hat's off to all of our student-athletes at Mississippi State. But frankly, all the athletes um, who are who – are, at all levels, high school, a junior high, all, all the way up to the Division One level and professionally, folks are not getting to do what they love, Brian, and, and that's a real shame. I can't imagine Ron Polk 30 years ago walking into our locker room at Mississippi State and saying, hey, guys, it's over. You're not going to get to play. You're not going to even get to play an SEC season or a postseason. I, I just can't even fathom. John Cohen would have gone nuts. I mean, he would have thrown helmets, bats. I mean, he would have been really upset. Our kids are so much more mature today, and they're so much more forward thinking. And I, I think they've handled this remarkably well. We're so proud of, of our kids, and and know that they're going to use what they have learned through this to, to make the world a better place. You know, you say John, Ron Polk would have done all that, John. John, what would John Cohen, the coach, have said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't have been very. He wouldn't have been happy either. And, uh, I think John Cohen is just as happy watching Southeastern uh, Conference baseball, and more specifically, you know, Mississippi State baseball from the left field lounge and from our stadium, our beautiful Duty Noble Field. But um, it's disappointing. I, I miss it. I know our fans do. I miss it all. I, I love watching our men's and women's tennis teams play. I, I really enjoyed getting to know that sport. And every time I walk by that facility or drive by it, I, I just, you know, I get this little twinge of, of longingness to, to be able to watch our kids compete. John Cohen joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. John, there's so many different plans that have been talked about, and, and I know 
it's kind of fascinating to me that some of the same stuff that we're talking about on the radio, I believe you and your colleagues are talking about as well, just trying to kind of figure out what's what. The idea of college football without fans in the stadium is is awfully hard to swallow. Is there a scenario where you think that's legitimately in play for at least a portion of the season? Again, I, I don't think anything's off the table. I will say this. Our, our staff and our student-athletes are a priority. Um and our fans are a priority also. Um, they are a priority. They're not the priority because the safety of our student-athletes and our staff is number one. And, and I say that just because so much preparation goes into those folks actually getting to step onto the field. Um, obviously, all of us coming to watch, you know, there is some preparation involved, but not nearly the amount of preparation it takes for our student-athletes. So we want our fans to have the best experience they can possibly have. But we also want them to be safe. And, again, we're going to rely on, on some healthcare professionals to help us make those really tough decisions if we have to when the time comes. And, and I guess like every other decision, it, w- when you come up with one answer, doesn't it create 15 more questions? I mean, if there's a limited or, number of fans that can come into the stadium, who actually gets to come in? Or I mean, it, it's just like an endless supply of questions. You know, Richard, you just, you just boiled it down – to its essence, right there. You're, the minute you think you have one thing figured out, there are literally, you're right, 15, 20 more questions that you have to answer. And this isn't just the case of intercollegiate athletics. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, Dr. Martinum, who I think has done a remarkable job, you know, he, he is charged with the care of 22,000 kids and about 5,000 faculty and staff. So, uh, he has a lot on his plate, too, and we want to make sure all of these folks are taken care of and that they're safe. And, and you're right. Once you peel back that onion, there's just more and more and more layers that we have to deal with. So it, it's not easy. It's complicated, but we have the right people working on it. We've got we, we've gotten some announcements from surrounding states or other states in the SEC footprint. I think Alabama and Texas A&M yesterday, Missouri a week or so ago, maybe there's some others that I'm not thinking of right now that have said, our plan is to have students on campus in the fall. My, my guess, I don't know if that's an IHL announcement that happens here or if it's individual schools. D- do you have any idea if that announcement specifically is coming in the next few days or couple of weeks? Well, that's a decision Dr. Keenan will make, and, and he is very thorough and thoughtful in everything he does. So he's not going to make any type of statement until he's 100% sure um, that, that it's relevant and it's meaningful, and he's going to do everything he can, along with all of our staff, to make sure that uh, we have the opportunity to start on time and, and to take care of our students. Um, and I, I'm sure that there's a time coming where – He's going to fully address that. But, but that guy, Dr. Keenum, is working 24 hours a day along with the staff to put together the best plan possible to make sure that our staff and our students are, are taken care of at the highest level. It's not fair for me to ask you this with only about a minute and a half less, but left, but I'm going to try anyway. The news yesterday that the board of directors of the NCAA um, was not necessarily supportive of the one-time transfer rule beyond just this coming athletic academic year. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, I, I think that's really complicated, too, especially in the times we're living in. Um, there, there's a lot of displacement and a lot of movement just because of the virus that we're dealing with right now. Um, uh, I am an advocate for the student-athlete. I want them to have as many opportunities as possible. 
but also you, you have to think of the institutions as well. Um, you know, you can't really have the wild, wild west going on. But, but again, I, I do understand there are a lot of compelling stories for student athletes who do need to change institutions. So I'm, I'm not giving you guys great answers. I'm just giving you more questions. But I, I think these are really important questions that need to be addressed because I think the virus re- really makes it even more important to, to address that subject because, again, I think the virus itself will displace kids for, for many different reasons. John, really appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. The rumors and the stories of my past I can't deny. I'm no Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks to John Cohen for joining us. We uh, kind of rapid fire on a bunch of questions in a short period of time, and it provided us with some insight, but also uh, very um, recognizing of the fact that uh, there are more questions than answers right now. And even when you think you've got the answer to a question, it spawns a whole bunch more questions. If you missed that conversation, we will uh, bring it to you again later in the show this afternoon. I know uh, maybe there's some people that uh, get off work at 5 or uh, were out and about and missed that, so we'll play it for you one more time a little bit later in the show this afternoon. Right now, though, and we we have threatened, I don't know, maybe promised, to make this a, a more regular thing, Scary Gary joins us. He is our uh, kind of do-everything guy at, uh, at TeleSouth Communications at Supertalk Mississippi. Uh, he is the uh, chief motorhome driver. He fixes things. He makes sure when we have on-location broadcast that the equipment is where it needs to be that the stages are set up, that they're broken down. He travels all over the place. In short, probably the guy that is the hardest worker at our entire company, Scary Gary, who also happens to be, without question, the biggest NASCAR fan at Supertalk Mississippi. Is is that fair to say, Gary? It is, Richard. I appreciate that intro. You, you make it sound like I do so much. <laughs> But I, Not look, only I do you do a bunch, Gary. You do a bunch of stuff. You do a bunch of stuff that nobody else wants to do, which is uh, really uh, impressive. I do want to ask you about this. So, so let's dive into this NASCAR conversation. We got the news last night that NASCAR is going to have seven events in the span of eleven days. Three of them will happen at Darlington: two Cup races and an Xfinity race at Darlington in South Carolina. And then, starting May twenty fourth and going through the twenty seventh. You're going to have cup race, Xfinity race, truck race, cup race at Charlotte Motor Speedway, including the uh, the 600-mile race. I guess that's still the Coca-Cola 600 happening once again on Memorial Day weekend, which is where it has happened every single year for a really, really long time. Four cup right. races in 11 days. How crazy is that? Well, what's even more crazy is, Richard, these are just one-day shows that they show up there's no practice. There's no qualifying. You can't go out there and see if your car is hitting the track on the first, you know, the first couple of laps when you get there to see where the setting is. You got to have everything set, ready to race. You will draw your position. They're gonna have to draw because there's no way that you go let all the the top ten fit start every week at the top ten. You gotta you gotta mix it up, put it into a random drawing, 
And then they go line them up, and they go throw the green flag, and let the best man run to the end. And it's gonna be it's gonna be about as crazy as anything as anybody has ever seen. I mean, NASCAR has wanted to do one day shows through the years, but they didn't feel that Cup would be able to do it. But they've done it at Xfinity, and they've done it at truck where you just show up. But they have practice qualifying, and you race, and you go home. It's a one day deal. Well, being at Darlington. Charlotte's not that far from Darlington. They'll drive in, they'll race, they'll come back, they'll race again. So it's not going to be like people are going to be staying at the track in before and after the race. But uh, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, they're going to they go give them the high down force, which is a big spoiler. They're cutting back the horsepower to 550 horsepower instead of the 700. I mean, it's no practice, no qualifying. That's just insane. I mean... I've never All right, let me ever. ask you this from a strategy standpoint. So, so you said they can't just put the top ten at the front of the pack and let them go each week, which I guess is how you would do it at the end of the year when you get into the kind of the the playoff. If you just draw right. randomly, who, who, who's currently the best driver in NASCAR, in your opinion? Uh, I would say it's between Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch. I mean, okay, both of All right, so, good. So, all right, so if they've got the best drivers, and let's assume that they've also got the best cars, but right. as opposed to being in the pole position, they have to start at the back of the pack. How much does that impact their ability to win the race, or are they good enough drivers with good enough cars that it doesn't really matter where they start? Well, Richard, in the past, they have, uh, they, 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 of course, they practice and they qualify, and then they inspect those cars after the you know qualifying and also before the race. Well, there's been a many a time that, that they have sent the, you know, you might be third, and they'll send you to the tail end of the lead line because you fail inspection. Well, okay. I know for a fact that uh, that uh, Martin Truex last year, well, earlier this year, he was, he was you know, no, this was last year. They sent him to the tail of the pack. Well, at the end of the race, he won it. I mean, it's, it's a 400, well, 500, 600-mile race. That's a long time to catch up. A lot of things happen. As long as you stay close, you can come in there and you could win it. Anybody can win it. It's just a matter of playing your cards right, being in the right place, having the luck on your side, and be able to balance that BB on that razor blade longer than anybody else is basically what they're able to do. I mean, these cars are high horsepower. They're hard to drive. I mean, it's hot. It's But no practice. That's just That's just blows me away that... Does I mean, that make it more dangerous? Well, no, it doesn't really make it more dangerous. It may make it, you know, so that let's just say you didn't know that your your track bars were down too low, and you can't go in and set and reset track bars at a pit stop. You've got to pull the rear end, drop it down, and reset it, reset all the anchor bolts, and reset the angle and everything. I mean. You gonna have to do this at the shop. These guys that do this for a living, they have an idea where they need to be before they get there. So I mean, it's not really a shot in the dark. I mean, these guys are professionals. They do it week in, they week out. The practice is nothing but you go in there and you try stuff. Okay, I mean, yeah, you 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 put the front end lower, you raise the rear end up. You, you know, you set the stagger, the tire's different, you see what you run. Well, if you run slower, you go back to a different setting. Well, this way, you ain't doing none of that. You, When you show up, you better have it close. 
Because it's going to be a long 600 miles if, you, if you're driving a car that's not wanting to do what you want to do. Do you think this well, is I mean, going to okay, increase? Let, let's, just say, let's just say you're driving on the interstate in traffic, and you're wanting to cut to the left or to the right, and your truck don't want to steer right. It makes mm-hmm. it a little, little more difficult when you're, when you're fighting the steering wheel than just cruising it along and slooping in where you need to be. But it's going to really be interesting. And, of <laughs> course, with, all the, with having three races you know, in just a matter of a couple of days, they're, they're getting their races caught up so they can get their points. I mean, this, this is still paying races. This is money and points. This ain't for, like, this IROC racing. I mean, the iRacing where they, you know, are on a computer and they wreck and it's yeah. fun and giggles. And But, I mean, people have been doing this iRacing since they've been off just to... All right, hold, hold on, Gary. This, I, I got a really important question. I think generally speaking, not, not everybody, but generally speaking, NASCAR fans like beer. Would you agree with that? Right. Right, I have I have heard that. I have heard that. Okay, I, I've heard that too. Should we be concerned about a beer shortage in grocery stores if there are four cup races in the span of eleven days and the rush that NASCAR fans will have on? Uh, oh, I don't know, Bush Light and whatnot. Well, I'm gonna just say I've seen more beer on the shelves and I've seen toilet paper and paper towels. So <laughs> I don't feel I don't feel threatened about beer. Let's just say the beer trucks run out of uh, Florence down here, and they got a warehouse full, but there's not a, a warehouse full of toilet paper that they're feeding everybody up here. So it's just, you know, I don't I don't foresee any beer shortages. I'm now, messing with you. I, 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 I am that, curious about I, this. But I would say I would say that there's going to be a bunch of people that's going to tune in that's not going to be interested in NASCAR just to see how this goes. I mean, it's going to be like WrestleMania meets, you know, racing, because, I mean, it's going to be some fighting and digging and wrecking, and, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. It may be great. It may be, you know, a crash de- a crash fest. But Gary, last thing know. for you. We've got a minute left. we we got a minute left, okay. and, and so this is my last question. If we see on May 17th that uh, Kevin Harvick really has it dialed in, like like his crew has got that car the way it needs to be, he's ready to roll What's the likelihood of someone like him winning two out of these four cup races or maybe being really hot and winning three out of the four? Is that a possibility? It's very possible. I mean, Kevin's been hot all year. He's just had he's had tire issues and he's had just some luck, just some just some crummy luck. Got caught in a wreck. I mean, he's had a couple of issues, but he's been fast. He's won stages. He's, you know, he's been at the front of the pack. He's qualified good. Oh, and real quick, since we've got about 30 seconds left, we we skipped over the last time I talked to y'all. We, we were talking about Ryan Newman had wrecked at Daytona and right. was, uh, you know, was out. Well, he's been I, No, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. I, I don't want us to run out of time. Gary, have you got time to hang with us through the break and we'll continue the conversation? Sure. No problem. Okay. I want to know where you were going this with, with Ryan Newman. Are you telling me he's going to race in these? Yeah, he's fixing to start back racing, and of course, there's been a driver change too. So there's been there's been driver shakeups that's gone on while this has been going on. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. More with our resident NASCAR expert, Scary Gary. After a quick break, with you. Be right back. back. 
on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. So if we rewind to Daytona back in February, you remember the just insanely scary crash involving Ryan Newman. We talked about it a lot, and a lot of you were pretty passionate in kind of some of your comments about that. I think many of us had the same reaction when it happened. Uh, he He's not coming out of this alive. Not only did he come out of it alive, we saw a few days later him walk out of the hospital, and now, Gary, you tell me that Ryan Newman is going to be racing basically three months after a crash that looked as if it should have taken his life. You were very correct, and uh, it's funny, it's ironic, or it's not funny, it's kind of ironic, that the bar that NASCAR implemented into the top of the roll cage with the Petty Bar and the Earnhardt Bar was now the Newman Bar. And basically the Newman Bar kept that car from coming in that cockpit and getting him. So it saved him. He don't remember anything about the wreck. He remembers a little bit about the race, nothing else. Other than that, he's fine. He's been cleared to drive. He will be at Darlington coming up and... uh of course, he will be able to start even if they have a provisional because they've, uh, Ross Chastain, that was the driver that filled in, has kept them up in points. So that helps the car and the car number to stay up in points. That's just points is what it, if you're not in the top 30 of points, you're not guaranteed a, a spot to start NASCAR every week, okay? So you have to be in the top okay. 30 to start. But the other story was. Uh, Chip Ganassi, the 42 car, had released uh, Kyle Larson over a comment that was made on an iRace that he made. we talked about that. And they have replaced him with Matt Kenseth. And Matt Kenseth is a ex-champion. He hadn't raced since 17, but he's been active and all. But they gave him the shot to drive the car the rest of the year to see because Matt is a, he's a good driver, and he's been around a long time, and he's always the guy that gets able to help a team to go faster. He was with Jack Roush for years, and after he left Roush and went to uh, Gibbs, he did good, and he was forced out so they could give the ride to somebody else. But he's hmm. gotten a chance to drive a, a good machine, and he's going to be racing also. So that's kind of exciting, having... Those two drivers back in, that's kind of the old-school drivers that are still driving. I mean, Matt Kenseth, when you think Matt Kenseth is one of the old-school guys, and he's, what, 40, 43 years old or so? I mean, it's yeah. it's kind of funny that the sport has gone so young. But I just thought that you needed to know that there will be some driver changes, and, of course, Ryan Newman will be back out there on the track again. Yeah, the the Ryan Newman thing is what I'm most interested in, though. And you you said something a second ago that perked me up. Did you say that he says he has no recollection of that wreck? Yeah, no recollection. They, I saw an interview uh, night four. Was he unconscious they when they pulled him out of the car? He he was unconscious for just a second, but he was conscious when they pulled him out of the car. It it, wow. it he said it's the way that the doctor said that your mind is protecting you from remembering it. But he remembers everything before the race, you know, the day before. Woke up, you know, and he's, he's, he remembers him getting him out, but he don't remember any of the race or really what happened. So it's all just kind of gradually coming back. But 
He's he's been cleared by NASCAR. He's been cleared by the medical people, and he's totally healthy and ready to go and excited to get back in the car. That's unbelievable. Are you surprised at all? I mean, I, I guess the fact that he doesn't remember any of it means, yeah, no big deal, but surely he's seen the video of the crash. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would it would make you think twice about doing something like that, but, you know, it is what it is part of it's okay. If you're a race pilot that drive, uh, pilots an airplane that does races, you know the inherent bad things can happen. Same way with driving a race car. I mean, you take the risk and you, you it's a calculated risk and you just hope that your calculations are correct enough to keep you safe every time. I guess it's really no different than concussions in football. You you know it's a violent sport and there's a chance that you could have a serious injury, but you take the risk because you like the potential of the reward. Sure. I mean it's it's that sportsmanship, it's that it's that drive to do something that you know that, that you love to do. And I mean and that love to do is very, very hard to break on these racers now because they've done it so long. They've done it since they were kids. So I mean when it's right, like I'm look, I'm gonna let you guys hey look, thank y'all again for having me and uh y'all have a good one and hopefully we'll be no. out of our quarantine here before long. Yeah, and, and this was a lot of fun, but here's what I want us to do. I, I don't care about the Xfinity races. I don't care about the truck race. I know some people do. But we want you to preview or review. I, I don't care which. We can decide later. Each of these races, four of them in 11 days starting May 17th. Let, let's plan to talk uh, during that stretch a, a whole bunch. Does that work? Sure. Sure. We'll, we'll, we'll keep up with what's going on. Hey, if nothing else, we may turn you into liking NASCAR a little bit. I wouldn't go crazy. Well, hey, you know what? It's the only game in town is something to watch, and it's live. <laughs> you got that right, and I can't wait to watch it. Gary, have a great weekend. Thanks, my friend. Uh, y'all have a good one, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's the one and only Scary Gary on the Farm Bureau phone line with your NASCAR update. Ryan Newman. Thinking about Karate Kid. Ryan Newman's going to race. Ryan Newman's going to race! Here we go. Welcome to the weekend. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us just after 5 o'clock on this Friday. Want to be a part of the show? You can do so. C Spire text line 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Equip your organization for simple, successful business continuity with a work-from-anywhere toolkit from C Spire Business, featuring powerful resources like UC1 and Office 365. With C Spire Business, it's easy to give your team the tools to get things done no matter where they are. Share files in seconds, chat on any device, meet virtually, and more all over secure cloud-based solutions with dedicated local support. Get your organization remote work ready today at cspire.com slash business. Hey, Rizad. Yeah, were those UV rays ca- catching you in the office? Yeah, man, I just thought I'd wear my sunglasses late in the day. Not quite at night, but, you know, why not? Get the video yeah. stream, give a different look. I was trying to think if there's anything I could do to be fun or cute and just decided I'd go with it. Didn't you wear sunglasses for like a week in the studio? Yeah, that was before we had video. Be sure to throw on some zinc oxide. That window looks like it's getting a little heaty. Yeah, it's good. Got the sunset happening in the background. So, hey, um... 
you have any more grocery store interactions that you'd like to share? I was pretty entertained by the one earlier. No, not that I can think of. I mean, other than the guy having the audacity to act like I was like stepping over, I don't know. Like, I don't I couldn't even think of a comparison. I mean, it was this guy was treating this lane like like customs, like it was unbelievable. But not <laughs> not lately. I mean, between that and what that guy did at the gas station on, I guess that was Tuesday. It's been a pretty eventful eventful week. But no, not that I can think of. Do you think you're just a target? No, I just think the general public is insufferable and wrong. You're getting, you're getting, you know, you know, people, people know who you are, Rippy. They're thinking, hey, I can rile him up and then I'll end it. We'll end up on TMZ. You know, we, we kind of think of Haydad as like a hermit because he never really leaves his house, but at least Haydad knows what it is that makes him happy. I think you just generally don't like people, Rippy. I mean, I play golf in groups of four. That's three other people so, so, I spend five so, so hours with by choice. So three other people that you get to hand select that you grace with your presence with for four or five hours. Yeah, this group of ten thing really wouldn't have... Uh, I mean, there's other parts of this uh, pandemic that have really been kind of a bummer, but the group of ten thing I really had no problem with. Yeah. You're a bit of an Slash elitist. Slash it in half. Yeah. snooty. Uh, no, I just don't have time for... for for nonsense like i don't have time for some guy to give me the what for about stepping over to grab a can of ramen because the 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 red sign says do not enter like thanks for your service hey, man here's a badge i almost saluted him <laughs> that would have been awesome <coughs> i did uh, i did take you, would you have gone like mile high salute or are you like talking about like german style i i didn't have that long to think about it but i did i took like uh, like when he said that, I didn't don't understand do what a he's... German style salute ever. Just don't yeah, ever that, do that. For God's yeah, sake, not a don't. good idea. The no. uh, but like like I didn't understand what he said at first. I didn't understand what he was doing at first because he just waved his hand and then I said what? And then he said don't enter and then pointed at the ground. So I took like a step and a half back and was like oh thanks and then walked directly forward and then stared at him as I walked down the entire aisle backwards. Did you bump into him as you walked by? No, no, I stayed six feet because I wasn't doing anything wrong. Like if the cops were coming, he was going away. Um, Borky on an airplane absolutely would have bumped into him. See, I don't mind calling out people in public. I'm not afraid to tell somebody off if they're being irrational or whatever. That doesn't bother me at all. I think Rippy Haydad used a bunch of words to say I'm better than you. How? I was grabbing. Was I was Rippy grabbing. Probably a is thing better or... than that guy. He's a doctor. That is true. <laughs> I have an edu email. Do you still? It hasn't been canceled yet? You can get yet? on the original Facebook. It actually hasn't been canceled yet. We had this discussion last night because my uh, my roommate, who's actually younger than me but left school before me, uh, had his uh, PlayStation account like hacked or whatever, and so he couldn't figure out a new password because it was a it was a, it was a, to his EDU email that had been canceled. And I've been out of there quite a while now, and mine's still going strong. I don't even think they've I think I've graduated. I had to go get the diploma myself. You did get I'm your still, diploma, though? Yeah, I'm still getting emails from the Risk Management Insurance Program. I hadn't been that major since, I don't know, 2014? It's like, don't forget about internships this summer. Like, thanks, Chief. I won't. So we've learned that Rippy thinks he's better than everyone else, and Borky does not mind public confrontation. 
I don't understand how I was in the wrong there at all. You were not in the wrong. I did not say that you were in the wrong. So how do I think I'm better than that guy by, you know, just you, asking you him not to it. give me the what for about an imaginary line? How did I imply because it? Because of the... No, 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 no. He implied no, Richard implied it. Because of the clear disdain in your voice. It's just if dripping. one of y'all did that, I would have disdain. Like I, I'm not discriminating in my disdain. You know, him, that Uber driver in Fable, I don't care. Don't be dumb. Somebody says, I'm sorry, what is a can of ramen? Okay. Point exactly. You understand what I'm talking about. Do you know what ramen is? <laughs> it's a small square package. Greg says, get him, Rippy. I can see one day on... Says he can, <laughs> he says he can see you one day on WTVA. Could be on the Tupelo News, maybe as an anchor one day, Rippy. You Not can a... buy ramen in more than just a square pack. You can buy it in like a cup that you stick in the microwave and it's good to go. It's not a can, but it's something. That's a great point. That's what I was trying to hammer home when I was telling the story. Not anything else. You, you've been that well actually on the ramen. That that tells you how long it's been since I bought ramen noodles. Not that I'm against them. I just my wife I didn't buys know they came. The in a, I mean, like I'm not village. like skimming yeah. by here. I just enjoyed the spicy chicken ramen. I think they taste pretty good, and it's easy when you need like a quick meal. Man, you can do some really creative stuff with ramen, though. Not just like use the pack of spices and stick it in a microwave. Oh, and make of a ramen you soup That's or what ramen hey, Dad's going to use for the pasta in his lasagna this weekend. Here's a pro tip: boil water and fill it up to that line at the top. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, but I'm talking about like. Really good stuff. Like, there are restaurants now that have, like, Ramen Tuesdays, where they, they give you all kinds of, like, seafood ramen and stuff, and it's great. Yeah, like, real ramen that you get at, like, a Japanese restaurant is fantastic. It's a soup, was the one I grabbed illegally. What does what a package of ramen noodles cost if you buy the square pack now? It's, like, uh, literally a quarter. I guess it's, like, 30 cents. 20 bucks, you get 1,000 shares of stock. But if you need to like eat so, lunch or so dinner Borky, quickly before going somewhere, it's perfect. It literally takes like five minutes. So, Borky, if a restaurant has a Ramen Tuesday, as you were saying, do they charge more than 25 cents for it? A little bit, yeah, because they dress it up some. But it's okay. really good, man. You can do it at home, too, hey, though. My wife made a recipe the other day that was awesome. And it was it was rom just like the square pack of ramen, but she did a whole bunch of stuff to it and added like chicken and all this other stuff, and it was great. I'll take your word for it. Throw in there. I believe fryer. you. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, you can do that, too. <laughs> Jeez. It's worth a shot. I mean, there are recipes all over, man. It, like, you can really make ramen actually good. It's time right now for the college football fix. It's a good oh, thing we don't have a lot to get to today in the college yeah. football fix. Serving by yeah. Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. That's four decades and three years. Ford F-150. They must be doing something right. Why don't you do yourself a favor and get behind the wheel of one today or this weekend or on Monday? College football fix. Keaton Thompson has found a landing spot. Does this spot surprise you at all? The University of Virginia. Yeah. 
little surprised, to be totally honest. Uh, but that said, I, I, their quarterback a season ago was sort of similar to Keaton Thompson, a really, really good athlete, but not the most accurate passer. But they had a lot of success with him, uh, did Bronco Mendenhall and, and the Cavaliers. So a you know, good landing spot. If nothing else for Keaton Thompson as a grad transfer, I mean, he's getting his master's up there. That is a That's a really good school. That he's, he's going to be going to. So if football doesn't work out, yeah, it is. great to go to University of Virginia. But that said, I think he'll have an opportunity to, you know, maybe uh, show his skills off in, in that offense a little bit. So let's see, Bryce Perkins, did he only have one season at Virginia or was it two years? He had two, didn't he? Uh, let's I'm gonna see. Look, I'm going to see if there's a device available. We'll see. What we right, now I've got it pulled up. So 2019. Uh, he played two years. He started 13 games in 2018 and 14 games in 2019. So in 27 games uh, at Virginia, he rushed for 1,692 yards and 20 touchdowns, and he threw for 6,200 yards, 7,900 total yards in two years for Bryce Perkins at Virginia. So only one year remaining for Keaton Thompson? Uh, I believe that's correct, yes. Okay, so as a grad transfer goes in with one year of eligibility remaining, be interesting to see how he figures into the uh, the quarterback race at UV. No, he's got two years of eligibility left, so good for him. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe it's the Bryce Perkins story all over again. So two years remaining for Keaton Thompson at UVA. Sports Talk Mississippi. Rolling along in the 5 o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Friday. First day of the month of May. Don't forget, C Spire text line open 601-879-4395. At C Spire, they're not just saying they care. They're taking action to show it through COVID-19. And every day, from free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home, learn more at cspire.com slash cares. If you are a Saints fan, I think you will find this story fascinating. I think maybe you'll find it fascinating even if you're not a Saints fan. I think this is fantastic. So, Sean Payton gave The Athletic a behind-the-scenes breakdown of how the Saints ended up with Tommy Stevens in the seventh round of the NFL Draft couple of quotes from Sean Payton before we really get into the story. There's no way I was going to lose this kid. Payton said of former Mississippi State and Penn State quarterback Tommy Stevens, who was often compared leading up to the draft to the Saints' versatile Taysom Hill. He went on to say, quote, we know the role, we invented the role, close quote. So here's the story. Saints did not have a seventh-round draft pick. In fact, they didn't have a draft pick in the 4th, 5th, 6th, or 7th rounds after they traded up to select uh, Adam Troutman, the tight end out of Dayton, at the end of the 3rd round. So Sean Payton spent most of Saturday trying to identify and recruit the undrafted rookies that they wanted to sign. And Tommy Stevens was high on their priority list, and then he became even more of a priority once they found out that Stevens had already agreed to sign as an undrafted free agent if indeed he was not drafted with the Carolina Panthers. All right, so Carolina's got a new coach in Matt Rule, and you remember who Matt Rule brought on as an assistant. Joe Brady, 
who prior to working at LSU last year as co-offensive coordinator was on the Saints staff. And so that added a little bit of intrigue. Stevens had worked with Joe Brady in the past when he was a graduate assistant at Penn State. And Peyton, uh, Sean Payton said that this became his project. He said at first they offered to give Stevens a $15,000 signing bonus and to guarantee $30,000 of his salary. That got them nowhere. Tommy Stevens said, I've already committed to the Panthers that I'm going to sign with them if I'm not drafted. So then Sean Payton and the Saints tried to up the offer to $144,000 of his salary guaranteed. But neither Tommy Stevens nor his agent, Buddy Baker, were willing to budge because Tommy Stevens wanted to honor his commitment to Carolina. So then Sean Payton decided that it was a game. And he decided to outflank the Panthers by trading their sixth-round pick in 2021 to the Houston Texans for a seventh-round pick this year, and they took Tommy Stevens with pick number 240 overall. Peyton says that he sent Joe Brady a text message that said, not so fast, and sent another text message to Stevens and to his agent, Buddy Baker, that said, I'm tired of asking, now I'm taking. He told The Athletic, I said, honestly, I was having some fun. You'd given your word, and I respect that, but we weren't going to lose you. You were going to become a saint. And then after the draft was over, Sean Payton explained that the Saints see Tommy Stevens as both a developmental quarterback and as someone that they could use at potentially tight end or on special teams in many of the same ways that they've used Taysom Hill in recent years. All right, hey, Dad, you first. Your reaction to this story about Tommy Stevens and the Saints, your team. Uh, first off, great article uh, by, by Jeff Duncan. Really, really well written and the good stuff in there. Uh, the, the quote of, I'm done asking, now I'm taking, I may have to start using that in just regular conversation. I don't know how I'm going to work it in, but I'm going to. Um, I mean, I, I know that you'll Stevens have to trade a away a sixth round draft pick. Well, you know, just take all your kids' Halloween candy using that line. I mean, they already know that's coming. Uh, they don't. There's no asking involved. <laughs> I, I yeah, like taken. it, you know. It's exactly. I, uh, I I like it. You know, I like the, the the competition. I think it's funny. But more importantly, I think Stevens is a good athlete. If he can stay healthy, I think he could fill this role they want him to do. The question is, of course, can he stay healthy? Um, but, you know, you're giving up a six-round pick that, as Borky said the other day, the Saints already know they're getting back as a compensatory pick uh, down the road. So it doesn't feel like it's, you know, much of a uh, of a loss there. Borky, what's your reaction? Uh, fascination more than anything else because it, it kind of flies in the face of my theory that They've shown you that they don't believe that Taysom Hill is their quarterback of the future, but if they're trying to draft and create his replacement, maybe, I don't know, maybe that is the case, that they really do actually believe that in spite of their actions. But um, it's a concerted effort around the NFL to find the next Taysom Hill. And I think that the most important thing when you're talking about putting a player in a role like his is it's not like Taysom Hill is just another guy. I mean, he wasn't a great college quarterback. His numbers aren't very good. But as far as athleticism and size, 
Um, he's pretty unique. If you look at what he did at the Combine versus what Jalen Hurts did at the Combine, all of Taysom Hill's numbers are better, if you can believe that. Bigger, heavier, and faster than Jalen Hurts. So Taysom Hill's a very, very, very unique player, and his durability is probably his best attribute, which is kind of the antithesis of, of what Tommy Stevens is. Now, Stevens is bigger also, than Hill, but... It's also crazy because Taysom Hill was so injury-prone in college. Yeah, and so now it's, his, it's funny how it's worked out. He can take this a beating, like, it doesn't matter. It's also a cool story in the sense that like this is one of probably a thousand examples of like... When like something happens, you're like, I don't understand that pick. Like, what actually goes into it behind the scenes versus like, because if this story hadn't been uncovered, nobody probably would have ever guessed like that as to how it happened or why. And honestly, if you're Stevens and you were kind of a fringe draft guy, to have someone want you that bad has probably got to be a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, he's athletic enough to do it. I just love the behind the scenes look. And yeah, I do too. I think Sean Payton enjoys his job. I don't think there's any question about that. And, you know, unlike in some, you, know, you have certain places in the NFL where the head coach is also the GM, right? I mean, Bill Belichick is kind of the, the, the shining example of that. And then you got places where the head coach and the general manager have trouble getting on the same page, right? I mean, like the GM has one idea and the head coach has another idea and then they're trying to figure out okay where should we actually go uh it it feels like the redskins are a team that have had issues with that in the past there are other examples as well but it feels like sean payton and mickey loomis are like marching in lockstep it's like they're the same guy you got to give credit further up the uh food chain too because 90 percent of the time the scenario you just described it's usually a pretty crappy owner like, bad ownership doesn't ever get talked about, but is the reason for so much dysfunction in professional sports. If you don't have a good owner, you're toast from the start. And Gail Benson is is really hands-off. I mean, it, it, this is probably not appropriate because he's recently passed, but her husband's dealing with the basketball franchise was not good at all. Uh, did not handle it well, and, and so the team suffered for a long time. No, no. Don't you think that part of that, though, was that he didn't really care about No, like, he, he didn't just really looked care. at the franchise as just an asset? Yeah. Like, and, like, it was just a piece of his portfolio versus, okay, let's try to win? Yeah, and for sure. And uh, The Saints were his baby, period. Yep, and uh, apparently Gale views uh, the basketball team as something that she can make her legacy. That the Saints hmm. are Tom's thing. And no matter how good they are under her ownership, it's always going to be Tom Benson's team. But the basketball team, I mean, she fired everybody and restarted the entire franchise, basically. And people down there think that she's treating the basketball team like it's like it's hers and keeping the Isn't, football team like it was her husband. Do you remember the story from a few years ago where you had the massive fight between Tom Benson's children and Gail Benson for, for ownership? Mm-hmm. And they yeah. tried to paint her as this just, you know, money grubbing witch digger. who had come in and was a gold digger and was, you know, taking advantage of an old man who was frail and didn't have all his faculties to make decisions. And she's kind of come out on the other side of that looking pretty darn good. Ownership seems easy if you do it right. I mean, 
Do less. Do less. Stay, hire people the do right their jobs. people and stay the heck out of the way. And Pay they, and be silent. That's all you got to do as the owner. Because if you pay and if you are silent and you hire good people and let them do your jobs, they'll take care of you. Are going to make a lot of money on the back end, generally speaking. If you missed it, our Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.